everyone, it's Natasha Crane. In today's episode, we're going to talk about why the growth of progressive Christian politicians is not a good thing for America. And this is an audio version of my blog post from March 22nd, so you can also find this in written form on my blog. But the reason that I'm talking about this issue in particular is because of a piece from the New York Times this week called Progressive Christians Arise, Hallelujah, by Nicholas Kristof. And in that piece, he makes the case that, quote, with a church-going Democrat in the White House, faith becomes more complicated in America, end quote, and that that's a good thing. This is the case that he makes in this piece. I have to say that the piece is filled with so many logical problems and equivocation in particular that I had to respond. And I just want to explain why I think it's important to respond to things like this because sometimes people think that when people do these kinds of response pieces like I did that we're just trying to pick other people apart. And sometimes you hear that objection. That's not the case. So please understand the heart behind this. Mainstream media loves our articles like the one that Christoph wrote because they paint theologically conservative Christians in a negative or at least inferior light, all to the praise of thousands who buy into the lack of nuance and critical thinking exhibited in articles like this one. So that's why it's so important that Christians are able to see through this kind of confusion in popular pieces, and I want to respond accordingly. What I'm going to do is take several quotes from the article, not the entire article, but several pertinent quotes, and just go through them point by point. So I'm going to read you a quote. I'll let you know where the quote begins and ends, and then I'm going to do a response to that, and then we'll keep going in that way, a quote and a response, a quote and a response. So the article starts this way, quote, with a church-going Democrat in the White House, faith becomes more complicated in America. Thank God. End quote. So consider the two major assumptions in that one statement. Being a churchgoer is an important characteristic in a political leader, and a more quote-unquote complicated religious makeup in America is a good thing. Now, just from a logical perspective, it means absolutely nothing that a person goes to church, whether they're a Democrat or a Republican. There are plenty of atheists sitting in pews every Sunday. If Christoph's point is that regular church attendance is significant in some way for a person's views about morality, social concerns, and so on, that simply doesn't follow. Atheists who don't attend church can be just as moral as Christians sitting in church. I couldn't care less if Biden attends church. The question is, what does he actually believe, and how will that inform his political decision-making? Furthermore, what's good for America is when people believe what's actually true, what actually corresponds to reality. If that's Hinduism, then the best direction of the country is for more people to take on that worldview. It would be the same with any other religion. Whatever is true is what is best for people to believe in. So complexity alone is not inherently valuable. What's valuable depends on what's true. But let's give Christoph a chance to work out what exactly he means by this in the following quotes, and then we can say a bit more. Here's another quote. Young and middle-aged Americans could be forgiven for thinking that Jesus was a social conservative who denounced gay people and harangued the poor to lift themselves up by the bootstraps until he was crucified for demanding corporate tax cuts. End quote. 
So this is obviously a ridiculous characterization of Christianity and Jesus in particular. If people have this idea of Jesus, they either haven't read the Bible or they've read too many articles like those of Christoph that mischaracterize what those who hold to the historic Christian faith actually believe. But more importantly, here is where Christoph begins to blur the lines and equivocate between progressive theology and progressive politics. This is really, really important. So follow me here. Notice how he moves from a strictly moral issue, talking about homosexuality, to primarily economic ones, talking about policy decisions on how to help the poor tax businesses. This is a really common move of politically progressive Christians. While they popularly accuse politically conservative Christians of mixing politics and religion, they frequently do exactly the same, bundling progressive politics with what Jesus would quote-unquote really want. Christoph plays his hand through this mixing. It's not that he thinks the growth of progressive Christians in politics is good for America because he's committed to the truth of progressive Christian theology, but because he's committed to progressive politics. What this means is that this whole article isn't about his Christian faith at all. It's a political piece that he's simply wrapping in a Christian veneer. But that's really misleading for people. Of course, he doesn't take the time to distinguish the difference between progressive theology and politics, but that difference is critical for understanding his writing. So let's do the explanation for him. Progressive Christianity is hard to define, and people would define it in a lot of different ways. But in general, it's the belief that our understanding of God is evolving as society progresses, and the Bible simply reflects man's understanding of God in the time it was written. In other words, the Bible is a helpful tool in this view, maybe even a beautiful one, but it's not God's final say for all time. So in my most recent podcast episode, Critical Thinking in a Secular Culture, I explained that the number one idea that separates a biblical worldview from a secular one is the source of a person's authority. For Christians who hold the Bible to be the inspired word of God that describes reality and prescribes human action and response, the Bible will be authoritative because of its very nature. Progressive Christians, however, don't share this view of the Bible. If the Bible is just one step on the way to our understanding of God, then humans are ultimately the source of authority for ourselves. That idea of authority is no different than a completely secular one. Here's a key point. Whether you're a progressive Christian who believes in God or an atheist who does not, your authority is ultimately yourself rather than any supposed revelation. This understanding of the basis, or lack thereof, for progressive Christian theology is really critical for responding to the rest of the article. So if you need to go back and listen to that part again, do that now. I want to make sure we're really clear on that difference between the theology and the politics. Now, let's go on to the next quote. That perception might arise because since the 1980s, the most visible Christians have been conservative evangelicals who often emphasize issues that Jesus never explicitly mentioned, such as abortion and homosexuality. But now more progressive Christians are moving on to center stage, end quote. Okay, so the Gospels don't record Jesus saying anything about child abuse, infanticide, racism, or domestic violence either. But few would argue that these things are unimportant or morally acceptable. Even aside from one's view of the Bible, this is just an illogical argument. Jesus couldn't have commented on everything. 
But in this statement, Christoph betrays his progressive theological assumptions about the Bible. He believes the only words that matter are those of Jesus himself. This is a common progressive view. He subtly passes this off as if we should all understand that issues like abortion and homosexuality must not be very important to Jesus. Ironically, however, Jesus' own words show that he considered the rest of the Bible to be authoritative. He repeatedly said, for example, that he did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. There are all kinds of examples like this that run through the Gospels showing that Jesus was confirming the authority of the Old Testament. So notice the sleight of hand. Christoph takes the truth of his progressive theology here about the Bible as a given, suggesting that we need more Christians who believe the same to move to center stage in politics. By specifically speaking to the hot topics of abortion and sexuality, it's again clear he's most interested in the support for his progressive politics, which Christians with progressive theology are more likely to support. Again, he's lumping politics and theology together without acknowledging as much. Next quote. Enter Joe Biden, one of the most religious presidents of the last century, along with Jimmy Carter and George W. Bush. Biden attends mass regularly and inhabits faith as Donald Trump merely brandished it, as if speaking to two Corinthians. Likewise, Vice President Kamala Harris is a Baptist who says she has regularly attended church. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a Catholic who says her faith inspires her to address health care and climate change. Elizabeth Warren taught Sunday school. Raphael Warnock, a new senator, is an ordained Baptist pastor. Other Democrats, including Cory Booker and Pete Buttigieg, speak the language of faith fluently as well. So a critical mass has formed of progressive Christians inspired by religion not to cut taxes for the rich, but rather to slash poverty for children. End quote. Again, how one labels oneself religiously or whether one goes to church is neither here nor there. Just because all of these politicians claim a religious label doesn't necessarily mean they believe anything that aligns with what those labels have traditionally meant. That said, once again, Christoph doesn't seem to care much about theological beliefs. He lists these people as progressives because they align with his politics and cleverly implies that we should all want to move in this direction because of the moral heroics these politicians have displayed. Of course, whether the things they champion are moral is a completely different question that he doesn't address. He takes it for granted that you will agree on that definition with him. But a person's view of morality depends, once again, on their source of authority. There's no level-headed discussion going on here about how people might disagree over what's considered moral depending on their view of the Bible or any other supposed revelation of God. It's just assumed that we can all see these things are of the highest moral value and given that they are, we should be happy to see more progressives take leadership in government because that is somehow bringing us closer to what Jesus would want. Here's the next quote. At the same time, conservative Christians have taken self-inflicted hits, not least the way some invoked religion while invading the U.S. Capitol. After seizing the Senate floor, insurrectionists prayed, thank you for filling this chamber with patriots that love you and love Christ. And while human motivations are complicated, the suspect in the massage parlor murders in Georgia is a Southern Baptist whom a former roommate described as having a, quote, religious mania, end quote. 
Okay, so my head is just exploding a bit at this point. Progressive politicians are portrayed as heroes of morality in his prior points, but he portrays conservative Christians as those who storm the Capitol and conduct mass shootings with no conversation about whether those actions are actually consistent with what the Bible calls us to do. I trust that readers and listeners will understand why that's just absurd. And I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next point. New quote. The Reverend William Barber, a leader of the Poor People's Campaign, told me, some folks hijacked Christianity and decided that they were going to put up a lot of money to promote the idea that a person of faith was to be anti-choice, anti-gay, pro-gun, pro-tax cut. Barber calls that theological malpractice. Jerusha Duford, a granddaughter of the Reverend Billy Graham, agrees. Quote, we have seen homophobia, hostility toward women's rights, xenophobia, and lack of concern for the poor. She compares the damage right-wing Christian extremists have done to Christianity to the harm Muslim extremists have brought to Islam. End quote. Okay, so these are just a couple of several similar quotes from the article, but to summarize them all, it would basically be this. Here are some big-name Christians who are unhappy with politically conservative views, and there's a lot of turmoil like this going on for conservative Christians. There's chaos in the ranks. They're starting to see the light. It's easy to cherry-pick examples, if anything. Logically speaking, who cares if you can find examples of people who identify themselves as Christians saying these things? If they're theologically progressive, they don't look to the Bible as their source of authority, so they're not necessarily going to believe any differently than non-religious people on moral issues. There's literally nothing of shock value or quote value here if you actually take the time to tease out these important distinctions. Next quote, the progressive wing of Christianity is not, of course, new. It began with Jesus. Woe to you that are rich, Jesus says. He advises a rich ruler to sell everything you have and give to the poor, and then suggests it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. End quote. Okay, I know my head already exploded once, but it really, really exploded with this one. He says progressive Christianity started with Jesus. Theologically speaking, that's just absurd. As I already explained, Jesus repeatedly validated the authority of the rest of Scripture. He certainly did not have a progressive view of the Bible in the sense that God's word was somehow bound in time. But Christoph, again, is speaking through a theological veil using Bible verses to make what's ultimately a political point, and that is that progressives are the ones who care for the poor. As someone who is both theologically and politically conservative, I couldn't be more tired of this lazy characterization. Nearly everyone, Christian or not, cares about the poor and wants people's lives to be better. Conservatives and progressives have different ideas about how to best accomplish that from a policy perspective, but we value the same thing. Final quote. If the public face of faith becomes less dominated by right-wing figures, it may become easier for the country to heal its fissures. When the religious-secular divide doesn't neatly overlay the political divide, it may become a bit more difficult for either side to demonize the other. And then he quotes Father Greg Boyle saying, right and left aren't so helpful here. The more reverent we become, we see things not as black and white, left or right, but complex. And he ends the article saying, hallelujah for complexity. It might lower America's political temperature, I pray. End quote. 
There's no question that the demonization we see today in politics is horrible, and I would love to see that fissure heal. But the irony in these concluding words is stunning. While I wouldn't characterize Christoph's piece as demonizing in the sense that it was blatantly insulting, it was demonizing in the sense of implicitly claiming that theologically and politically conservative Christians have morally inferior views that they bring to the public square. After all, his whole article is thanking God that there are more people claiming the name of Christ in public office who agree with his political stances. The running assumption, of course, is that those politically progressive views are what are good for America. Then he goes on to claim through a quote that we shouldn't see things as so left and right, but rather as complex. He says this after writing a piece without the slightest hint of acknowledging the complexity that lies in differences of theology, worldview, authority, politics, and policy. It's not complexity that he values and I'm sure he knows that. It's change in a single direction with the growth of theologically progressive Christians embracing politically progressive values. I have no doubt he wouldn't shout hallelujah if the movement went the other direction, but championing so-called complexity sounds much more tolerant to progressive ears. The growth of people claiming the name of Christ in politics is not necessarily a good thing. It depends on what they actually believe and how that will inform their political decisions. If the Bible is God's word for all time, as theologically conservative Christians believe, then the growth of politicians claiming Christ but rejecting the authoritative nature of the Bible is actually a bad thing. It leads to confusion in the public eye of what Christianity historically has been, and the decisions that these politicians make will often be more aligned with a secular moral consensus developed from self-authority than with a moral standard developed from the Bible. The sort of oversimplified, assumption-ridden narrative that we find in Christoph's piece is precisely why people can't have reasonable conversations today. If we want to heal fissures, as Christoph says he does, it starts with far more nuanced conversations that acknowledge the complexity of people's worldviews. As I said, this has been an audio version of a blog post that you can find on my website, natashacrane.com. So if you want this in written form to share with someone, feel free to go to my site and you can find it there. And once more, I so much appreciate those of you who have taken the time to leave reviews on Apple Podcasts and ratings there. Or if you use another podcast app, a lot of them give you the opportunity to do reviews. It helps more people to find the show and that would would be really helpful to me if you're finding this valuable. So I really appreciate your time and listening. Thank you so much, and I will talk with you soon.